Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. If you've been listening with us a couple weeks ago, we had our first guest that actually requested to come on the show. So we'd like to thank Andy Mitz for coming on the show, talking a little bit about the Kansas coaching search. And because I mentioned that, we have another guest that requested to come on the show, and he is with us right now. He's from Philly's Finest Sports News. We'll see if he's gritty or not, even though we're talking Pistons Sixers, not Flyers. We'll see if he's gritty enough to talk that. His name is Ryan Drinkwater from Philly's Finest Sports News. Welcome to the show, Ryan. All right, thanks a lot, Tom. Pleasure being here, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. And before we get to all this NBA talk, let, let me just hear your thoughts on Gritty, the new Flyers mascot. Well, honestly, when I first saw it, I was a little terrified. I think most people were. But as the days have been and, you know, he's actually grown on me quite a bit. I like him. <laughs> he's definitely someone that I would not want to have a few drinks before seeing him for the first time. Because no, I might keep on. <laughs> It might haunt my dreams. <laughs> but, yeah, he's quite the character. Uh, like I said, at first, he, he comes off a little weird. The whole thing of him getting introduced kind of threw me off guard. But, you know, I think the kids like him and everything else. And at the end of the day, that's probably what's most important. So. Of course. If the kiddos like him, then he stays. There you go. So, we're going to talk a little Piston Sixers in a little bit, because that is what Ryan requested to talk to us about. But first, we'll hit some NBA recap. We'll recap some NBA stories. First, um, just recently, Chicago Bulls firing Fred Hoiberg. It's 5-20. Seems like the right move. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're certainly underachieving as a team. Um, I think a lot of that can be brought to the fact that they weren't really healthy. Lori Markkinen was out pretty much during that whole time. So is that a little unjust that maybe they could have waited a little bit till he had all his pieces there? Possibly, but again, 5-20, and 20, that's not good enough to get it done in today's NBA. So I could see why they'd want to go in a different direction. Yeah, and, and Hoiberg was pretty much on a leash from the start as when the Bulls fired Tom Thibodeau, I mean, they... They were consistently making the playoffs. Now they're consistently in the top ten for lottery picks. <laughs> right. I mean, like I said, they there's a lot of young talent there. They got Zach Levine, you know, Corey Martin is a stud player. They had a decent draft. So he certainly had all the ingredients to produce a better record than five and twenty. Yeah, with Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr., you'd think that you'd think they themselves could win five games out of 25. But. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> not shocking that Fred was relieved. I, you know, again, anytime you start off that slow, you already put yourself pretty much out of the playoffs. Um, that's a big hole to come from. So, I can see why they showed him the door. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there in the, in the coming days if they keep their interim head coach or if they bring in someone new. Of course, we're still only... 25 games in the year. We're not even halfway through, so they still have a full season to <laughs> salvage. Yep. Next topic, um, Joachim Noah getting signed to Memphis. Of course, he. <laughs> it seems like he's come back from the dead, Joachim Noah. Um, what will he do uh, to help 
if you can, the Grizzlies? Honestly, I would say probably not too much. I don't think that impact. I don't think that move makes an impact on Memphis's um, chances at the at the playoffs, or maybe even winning a round or two. I don't think any of it is going to depend on what Joe Kim Noah can bring to the table. I think he's basically just an extra big body to bring in to back up uh, Jaron Jackson and Marcus All. You know, more. I think it's geared more towards that way. He doesn't have much left in the tank from the last time he played, and he's been out of the game for a little while, so that would be my thoughts on it. Yeah, it, se- it seems as if now, ever since, well, ever since he left the Bulls and Tom Thibodeau's Bulls, he he really hasn't done much at all. <laughs> no, I mean, he, look, he is what he is. He's a yes. gritty defender, Not <laughs> no pun intended, but... <laughs> um, you know, he's a tough guy. He can play down low. He can defend well. So, you know, above average shot blocker. But at best, he's going to get you probably seven to ten rebounds a night, throwing a block here or there. You know, again, I think they probably got him to get him in motion to prepare themselves for the playoffs and whoever it is they match up with in the first round because Memphis is actually having a pretty solid year, again, like they typically do. Um, but I think they always just make it, and they're one of the first out. You know, yeah. obviously we we know the West is stacked, and I actually think they could probably shock a team depending on who they match up with in the first round this year for sure. Yeah, I remember a couple years ago when Memphis made the playoffs last. It felt like Dave Yeager built this two K team and. Took him to the second round of the playoffs. Now, unfortunately, Jaeger's no longer in Memphis. He's in Sacramento. But right now, Memphis having a 13-9 and season just behind the Lakers and the Warriors, which, of course, brings us to our next topic with the Warriors struggling a bit for the Warriors' expectations. And so he's still four to six weeks away, but um, DeMarcus Cousins about to come back in that amount of time. First of all, we'll... Will the Warriors survive that four to six week stretch? We think they will, but still. Uh, and how um, will Boogie make an impact coming forward? Oh yeah, I mean, anytime you get to add a guy like Demarcus Cousins to your lineup, you're instantly improved in every area of the game. Um, I think, other than our guy here in Philly, Joel B, next to Anthony Davis, it's got to be Demarcus Cousins. And he certainly, at least last year, played at a high enough level where you could put him in the conversation as one of the best bigs in the game. So adding him to that stacked roster is just going to be a nightmare for anybody they go up against. I, I'm very interested to see how they all mesh together. I think that will take a little bit of time. Luckily, they have over half a season to figure it out. But... You know, in theory, it should just open up doors for Curry and Durant and even Clay Thompson as if they need any of that help. So, I mean, the only other part of it that could be a problem, DeMarcus Cousins tends to be a little bit of a hothead at times. Oh, um, yes. And when you got a guy like Draymond Green on the same team who also tends to be a hothead, who already this season had gotten into it with Kevin Durant, you know, can those egos mixed together and can they put it all aside and focus on winning another championship does this cause some sort of collapse internally 
I don't know, but it's certainly something to watch going forward. I, for one, as a basketball fan, can't wait to see how it unfolds. Definitely, and when Carmelo signed to Houston, I thought to myself, that team's going to break, well, not entirely break up, but that team is that team's going to be worse immediately because Car- Carmelo just wants the ball. And we and then we saw that in the first ten games in Houston, and Houston is still, as far as I'm aware, not in the playoff race. No, they're not at the moment. Um, obviously, yeah, I mean, I was never a fan of Carmelo going to Houston. They had a good thing going last year. Minus, I think if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt in that series against Golden State, we might be talking about a different NBA champion. Yes. Um, Adding Carmelo to that, I, you know, again, I just the guys that they lost, Trevor Reason, you know, it's just it, it wasn't the right move, point blank. And the biggest part about Boogie coming back to me is I think you have to see how much he's grown and matured in this last year with the injury he came off of. It's a hell of an injury to bring yourself back from. So I think that gave him a lot of time to sit and think like, you know, I've been in the NBA for a while. I've been the man on a few teams, and I've never gotten anywhere. I'm tired of losing. I want to win. So I think, you know, in reality, he should be willing to take whatever role they want. And there's plenty of shots to go around in Golden State's offense. So, again, I think it all signs point that it should work out well. But, again, you just never know until they start playing together. Right, and uh, Steve, and to add to your point, Steve Kerr, the coach, is a very, very intelligent man. And even when he, when when the Golden State interviewed Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr not only had a game plan for this team, he had a diet plan for every single player on that team. That tells you how prepared he is to go into a job and going into this season. I think he had he had a plan for Boogie to one get back into shape, stay in shape, and two, perhaps, think about what he's been doing, as you've said, because now that you have uh, Boogie and Draymond on the same team, if if they don't mesh well together, you could see perhaps another <laughs> KD and Draymond on the sidelines against, like we'd seen against the Clippers. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because the couple games that I've watched at Golden State this season, you can see the interaction that Draymond and Boogie have already had on the bench. Um, more so when there was that big blow-up between Draymond and Kevin Durant. One of the main guys that grabbed Draymond and was talking to him, trying to get him to calm down, move on, was DeMarcus Cousins. So, again, I think that points in a good direction for them that they will be able to coexist. Where does that leave Kevin Durant in the midst of all this? You know, I think that is probably the more interesting thing to watch for the rest of the season for Golden State. Because if Durant is leaving at the end of the season, you know, that could certainly present a problem for them internally if things, for whatever reason, don't go well. And of course, according to NBA Twitter, KD is going to be a snake wherever he goes because he's a snake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, when you do what he did, kind of like what LeBron did when he went to Miami, you're going to get that label thrown at you. But, I mean, I've been a, as a basketball fan, I appreciate Kevin Durant. Yes. I, you know, he's obviously one of the top five in the game. There's no question about that. But I think he could have easily gone to 
a new, you know, plenty of other teams and had a decent shot at winning on his own. You know, I don't think he needed to coattail with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you know, but hey, I guess who am I to knock in the damn results? They got a couple of rings out of it. Yeah, and the thing is, back in 2012, I, in fact, I was... I was still in high school back in 2012, but I was probably one of the only people in my school to pick OKC to go to the finals and win it. But now, of course, Miami won that series in five. But now we think to ourselves as years go by, how did they not win the championship with KD, Westbrook, and Harden? I mean, yeah, when you name those three guys and you put them, you know, it's hard to understand how they couldn't. But from a basketball standpoint, I can tell you that when you have three guys and two of them are ball dominant players, it's very it's gonna be a very hard recipe to produce in the championships. You'll win a bunch of games because individually, you know, each guy can go off any given night, but when the game slows down and the playoffs come around, it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So with that being said, we move on to our Piston Sixers preview, of course. Uh, this is part three, I guess if you can say, of the Joe of the Embiid versus Drummond series of 2018-19. Uh, so far, we have split, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, first game the Sixers lost in overtime, and the second game they won by ten. Of course. So, uh, first of all. Um, we got Embiid versus Drummond. So, uh, who, who do we give the edge to to start out with? I mean, is this even a serious question right now? <laughs> of course. Look, I mean, obviously, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible, seeing <laughs> as I represent Philadelphia and my, you know. But honestly, if you just look at the numbers, first and foremost, John Bede has a 4-1 record against Drummond for their career. They've met five times. Tonight, or I'm sorry, not tonight. Uh, the next time they match up will be the sixth time. Yeah. If you dive into the head-to-head numbers, their averages are, John Bede is averaging 30 points a game to Andre Drummond's 12. Not too surprising as Drummond really doesn't you know, he's not known to be a scorer. Yeah, he's not much of a scorer. Uh, rebounding, Drummond's at 11.2 game, as Drummond is at 11.6. Assist, Andre Drummond's averaging three, Joel's averaging 1.6. So, the favor goes to Drummond in that area. Steals, Drummond's at 2.6, and Bede is under one. And for blocks, they're both at one a game, as far as their averages between each other. But the most important thing for me when I watch them two match up is the fact that Joel Embiid consistently gets Andre Drummond in foul trouble. Every single game that they've matched up, Andre Drummond has had four or more fouls except one game. And plus, you and plus, like the last time they played in Detroit, of course, this is in Philly on Friday night. The last time they played in Detroit, uh, Embiid coaxed Drummond into a tee. Yeah, I mean, and look, they—he's made his comments that he owns real estate in his head. I mean, when you when you go over the box scores of these games, it's 
is pretty staggering. The very first time they matched up, Joel dropped 30 on him, shot 11 of 15 from the field. Andre Drummond only had 14 points that game. He had five fouls. You know, the second matchup was pretty much the same. Embiid struggled shooting a little bit more. He shot 7 of 21, finished with 25 points. Drummond finished with 14. And then the last, more importantly, these two games this season, in the very first matchup that was in Detroit, Drummond went for 14 and 16. But again, he had five fouls. And he shot 6 of 20 from the field. Joel, that game, went for 33 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 blocks on 11 and 20. And then the most recent matchup, Andre Drummond went for 8 points, 9 rebounds. He only played 21 minutes that game due to foul trouble. And Joel had 39 points, 17 rebounds, 2 blocks, and 34 minutes. So it's pretty clear that... And- Pretty clear that Embiid's the guy. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, I mean, look, he's having a Shaq MVP type of season. He's mm-hmm. got, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he's got, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think he's not, he's only not had a double-double in two games this whole season. So, as far as a big man goes, that's what your gaze by. Can you score in double digits? Can you get double-digit rebounds? Embiid's doing that on a nightly basis. And it's not like he's barely cracking 20 and 10. He's putting up almost 30 and 15 a night. Yeah, and there's, and, a, there, and there's a reason, and, and I'm a DraftKings player myself, there's a reason why Joel Embiid's worth consistently over 10K in DraftKings, and, and you see Drummond only in the 8,000s tier. Right. I mean, you know what you're getting from Joel, all right? He's going to... Command the ball. He's going to, this year more than any other year, you know, last season people gave him a lot of, you know, people were questioning how much he was shooting the ball outside. And more importantly, shooting the three-point shot. You know, this season, he's played majority of basketball with his back towards the basket, attacking the rim, getting guys in foul trouble. He leads the NBA in free throws attempted and free throws made. So that there shows you when he's attacking, if he's not scoring, he's getting to the line, and he's knocking down his free throws. You know, he still has that outside shot. He can still stretch out and hit the three. You know, defensively, one of his trademark moves now is his chase down block, kind of LeBron-esque a little bit. You know, and just defensively, I think he has a realistic shot at defensive player of the year as well. You know, I think the main reason that he gives Andre Drummond so much trouble is the athleticism that he has over Andre Drummond is what puts such a big gap between those two. You know, Drummond lives in the paint. He That's where he thrives. He's a defensive rebounder, a very, very good offensive rebounder. And, you know, anytime you can get him away from the basket, good things are going to happen. And, you know, the the more polarizing guy that I think gives the Sixers a serious problem is Blake Griffin. Yes, but Griffin, Griffin's been the main scorer so far this season in Detroit. Yeah, and I mean the first, look, that first game in Detroit, Blake Griffin lit us up. He had 50 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, he absolutely did whatever he wanted. 
the second game, he was pretty much just about the same. He finished with 38 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists. So, again, Drummond's great, but I think Blake Griffin is the star of that team for sure. And he'll Detroit goes as he goes. Yes, and then that was the thing from last season, bringing in Griffin, was every, everybody was concerned about the injury bug, which has plagued Griffin for many years. But thankfully this year he's stayed healthy con- consistently. And here Detroit is at 13-8. and eight, And realistically two games, well, yeah, two games back of the Sixers, of course, none in the loss com as the Sixers have played uh, 25 games for Detroit's 23, but or 22 or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, De- Detroit's played right much now, better. Yeah, than right now they're 28, 21. The Pistons are 13 yes. and 8, and Philly's yeah. 17 and 8. So, two games back, four games in the win column, but still, Dwayne Casey has got this team playing well this season, and a and a hidden gem right now of the Pistons team, I, I, I would say, is Langston Galloway. When he gets hot from three, this and perhaps Blake's on the bench or even Blake's out there, this team can be unstoppable shooting. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different team when he's hitting his shots, for sure. And, you know, when I look when I look over the Pistons' numbers as a team, they average their 14th in the NBA in points per game. So, that's, uh, you know, that's middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. But as far as field goal percentage goes, they're 29th in the entire NBA, only shooting at 43% for the season, and they're 28th in three-point percentage, shooting 32%. So, again, when you got guys like Blake Griffin, Andre, you know, Andre Drummond, and outside of those two, what do you have? You have Reggie Jackson. I mean, he's not a, he's a solid player. He's an above-average guard, I think, but he's a streaky scorer at best. See, that I felt was one of Stan Van Gundy's mistakes. I felt he should have traded away Reggie Jackson for a, for a different um, point guard, for at least for to stay healthy, but we've seen Blake Griffin stay healthy, so so far right. maybe I've been proved wrong by that. Yeah, and then again, the rest of their stats to me across the board, you know, they're 27th in assists per game, you know, coming in at 21.4 average you know so clearly they don't have any kind of ball movement they don't have a guard that can really grab the ball and demand it on his own to go get buckets it's pretty much dump the ball down low see what Blake can get you if not kick it out and I guess from what they're averaging three-point shots that are falling um but two areas I see that they could give Philly serious issues, which is why that first game was so close. Even the second one, the Sixers won by 10, but majority of that game, Detroit was in it. Detroit averages 47.3 rebounds for the season. That's good for 7th overall in the NBA, but they're 2nd in the entire NBA in offensive rebounds. That is an area that Philadelphia struggles in so far this season, is 2nd chance points. Yes, and so then with, with if they can hit the boards and they can grab themselves some second chance opportunities, and you know Drummond, Blake Griffin, get some putbacks, etc., that'll certainly make it a more interesting game. And the only other difference that really sticks out to me would be the turnovers. The Sixers turn it over almost 16 times a game. 
That's 26th in the NBA. So they're one of the worst teams right now at taking care of the basketball. And Detroit is one of the better teams. They're ranked 12th in the entire NBA at barely under 15 a game. So those are the two things that jump out to me where I think Detroit could have a chance. Yeah, and you, as you were saying with the um, with all the statistics, if they, if if they're not doing well on the offensive side of the ball as in terms of assists and um, and and whatnot, then you're going to have to play well on defense. And thankfully, Detroit hasn't turned over the ball, turned the ball over so much, but getting offensive rebounds helps, second chance points, because you know if you if you give anyone a second chance in the NBA, they're eventually they're going to score. <laughs> it was actually comical the Nets game where. The Nets had five chances to beat Detroit in regulation. Five or four rebounds from from their shots couldn't hit, but of course the Nets won in overtime. So that yeah. came back to haunt us. But you have to play good defense if you're going to beat a team such as the Sixers. So absolutely, gonna... and you know one more thing about that game. Sure. The first two games were it was a completely different Sixer team than you guys are going to be facing. Yes. This time around, that team had Darius Sarge, Robert Covington still, and now we got Jimmy Big Shot Buckets Butler in the house, who's been tearing it up. The team's been on fire since they acquired him. You actually had ran to the the point I was going to mention was talk to us about Butler. <laughs> yeah, I mean Butler is what he is. Um, look, I don't. Whenever I hear things online or on Twitter or anywhere else. When they say a guy's not a good teammate, I take that with a grain of salt because you don't know unless you're in the locker room with him. But other than that, Jimmy Butler is exactly what he is, and he's a top 15, maybe even top 10 player in the NBA. They brought him over to be that lockdown defender, and more importantly, to be the guy that can get you buckets late in the game during crunch time. And he's already had two game-winning shots for the Sixers since he's been on the team. So, everything that they wanted, they're already getting from him, and then some. You know, he's mission, he's max, he's, he's working out well with the team, everybody loves him. You know, no one's had any gripes or complaints about what type of teammate that he is. In fact, they all rant and rave about him. And, you know, Jimmy said he absolutely loves playing with Joel Embiid. He loves having a veteran at J.J. Redick. You know, Ben Simmons, he loves playing next to him, has gone out and said that he would like to make Philadelphia his home, and I, for one, seriously hope that he stays in Philadelphia, because when you have him, Joel Embiid becoming, I think, the MVP candidate this season, and Ben Simmons playing the way that he's playing as of late, that's a tough big three, and, you know... Tonight, they got Toronto. In Toronto, that'll be a huge game for me to be able to gauge how the Sixers are going to be going forward. Yes. You know, it's not the end of the world if they lose, but if they go in there and they get blown out or anything along those lines, they obviously have a lot of work to do. But Yeah, and that was know. the thing about um, Detroit versus OKC last night, which I didn't watch much of it. I watched more Michigan Northwestern. And Michigan barely beat Northwestern at Welsh Ryan Arena by two. But I had seen they had gotten whooped, and I'm like, well, there's 82 of these in a season. So at some point, 
it's that's going to happen. <laughs> they beat the Warriors at home, so <laughs> you you see both sides of the coin in an 82 game season. And so Philly going into Toronto, that's going to be huge to see if um, to see if Joel Embiid can can slay a lion in three different countries. Slayed one in Cameroon, Cameroon, of course. Slayed one here. Now he can slay one in in Canada. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's a long season, first and foremost. We got 82 games, so I know people were absolutely out of their mind when the Sixers got off to a slow start. I mean, we were only five, six games in. We were at the 500 mark, pretty much, and people, the sky's falling already. You know, drives me crazy as a Philadelphia fan how dramatic we can be at times, but they've turned it around. They're playing top 10 NBA team defense over the last eight games. The scoring's there with Embiid. Ben Simmons is averaging almost 20, 10, and 10. I think he's at 18.5 or so points, and he's over eight boards and eight assists. You know, Jimmy Butler's doing what Jimmy Butler does. J.J. Reddick's been knocking down shots, knocking down threes. You know, the bench has been surprisingly pretty solid. The young rookie, Landry Shamitz, provided a good spark at times. Same goes for Ferkman and Korkmaz. You know, Mike Mescal has been a solid big for us as backup. Wilson Chandler's finally getting healthy. The hamstring that's been plaguing him early in the season is pretty much gone now. So I love Wilson Chandler as a solid all-around NBA player. So the pieces are there. Um, I just need to see a good effort tonight in Toronto. And as long as that's there and they prove they can go out there and compete, that's what I need to see because more than likely you're going to meet up with Toronto in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in Philly or it's in Toronto, you're going to have to bring it every night. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll also talk a little bit about Pistons Bucks as well because, like I, like I had even said to Ryan as part of a game preview, there's 82 of these. So, <laughs> we don't have to preview just one game. We can preview it and go move forward with it, what we take away from it, and that is Detroit playing Milwaukee and Philadelphia to tonight and Friday night is going to tell where this team is in the East, really, because if Detroit, if Detroit can split Milwaukee and Philly, that means, okay, they, they look to be in the playoff conversation. Yes, they're in, they're in the fourth spot right now, but, of course, we're only 21 to 25 games in the season. Things change. If they can split Milwaukee and Philly, my thought is, like I said, they look to belong in the playoff hunt. If they can sweep these two games, then you're looking at perhaps maybe they belong in the top five in the East. But if that, but if they, if they lose the next two games, then we're looking at perhaps we're looking at another 7-8 slot, maybe just out of the playoffs. But, of course... We're only twenty to twenty-one to twenty-five games in the season. Detroit could have two right. bad nights and still make the playoffs. Detroit could have two great nights and miss the playoffs. So, with that being said, yeah, I mean the, the Eastern yeah. Conference is even the teams that fall between like six to eight. Are they really above-average NBA teams? I would say probably not. Detroit to me is interesting though because with Washington being in complete chaos that they are certainly underachieving over there in Washington um, when you look at the Eastern Conference you got Boston you got Philly you got Toronto and now you have Milwaukee as the serious you know a 
upper echelon of the conference. But after those four, it's pretty much wide open now. Pretty much. And, so, and I think yeah. a team like Detroit could possibly, you know, I don't think they're on the, the level that the teams I just listed are. Mm-hmm. But if they can add a piece or two, I think they, they seriously need to look at adding some wing depth, maybe grabbing a shooting guard or a small forward, because right now, like you, you had mentioned Langston Galloway, if you're... If that's who you're banking on to be consistent night in and night out, I mean, he's a solid player, don't get me wrong, but you can't put all your eggs in the Langston Galloway basket. Right. We saw that with so, the Knicks a few years ago, and of course that didn't turn out. <laughs> that didn't right. turn out well. I mean, again, I think that the only tough thing is, I don't know anything about the short cap situation, but I know... Blake Griffin is costing them a lot of money, yes, so I don't know what they can add via free agency. I don't know what type of trades they could make that would work within their uh, financial situation, but they certainly have a solid core, and again, they're right on the cusp, I think, of you know being mentioned as the next team up that could possibly be on the verge of challenging one of the other big four in the Eastern Conference. It will definitely be interesting to see how that turns out. So, um, as I had mentioned before the show, let's, let's also talk just a little bit before we wrap this up about Markel Fultz. We saw that last night he is out for a few weeks, so tell us a little bit about that situation. Well, I wish I could give you a concrete, factual answer, but unfortunately sure. the whole situation around Markel has been... Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, last night they said he came out. I don't know exactly how to say the term of what syndrome has been listed, so I'm not even going to attempt to. But, Understandable. We're not medical professionals here. You know, basically, look, this is all I know, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't have any special insider dirt or anything like that. He's um, not Brett Brown, guys. to a couple of the Philly sports writers in my area. And we all kind of agree on one thing. This offseason, when Markel went and worked with Drew Hanlon, he put up 150,000 jump shots. We all saw the video when it finally came out. He was looking great. Everybody said at that point he was 100% healthy. He started the season off, looked pretty solid at moments, but you could tell at certain times he wasn't himself. Then there was a game where he got benched in the second half for T.J. McConnell. And the day after that happened is when all this stuff came out again about they need him to go see another specialist, blah, blah, blah. I just think the timing's too... It's it's too much of a coincidence for me. You know? Mm -hmm. And the fact that he had to see up to 10 doctors to get an answer about a certain syndrome that he had. I mean, I just, I don't know. At this point, I can tell you the city is split. There's 50% of us that have had absolutely enough of the whole Markel Fultz saga. And then there's another 50% that say, you know what? We're going to stick by this kid. He was picked number one overall. Let's just wait and see how it plays out. But, you know, I personally think the Sixers are doing good things 
right now this season right. without him. And I don't want the ordeal and whatever else that's become Markel Fultz to overcast this team and to cause issues down the road for them because they won't be in the playoffs. And they do have a legitimate shot at making a deep run with or without Markel Fultz. Just the way the team's playing now, they have enough. So, to me, I just want him to figure out whatever it is that he's got going on. Take your time. However many weeks of therapy, whatever else you need to do in order to come back, put that uniform on, and play with that Philly heart, that desire and fight that everybody needs to see, and everything will be all right. But, you know, if this kid goes out and for some reason this turns into a couple of months instead of a couple of weeks or whatever else, I think you can pretty much guarantee his time in Philly will be very limited after that. Yeah, and so far the team is doing very well without him, so sit him as long as needed, and <laughs> when he comes back, just ease him in. Don't, don't yeah, mess you know, up your playoffs. Just a distraction, Tom, yeah. is the yeah. fact that you still we still have to talk about it here in the city over and over, and the kid's not even part of the team right now. It's it's too much of a distraction, and something like that, like we can tie into what we discussed about the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Those type of things can cause problems internally that will prevent you from making a playoff run. So the sooner they figure it out and get it over with, the better. But in the meantime, a lot of the players on this team have said they wish Marco the best, but they're moving forward with the season. And whenever he gets caught up, he'll get caught up. But, you know, I'm going to root for the kid, obviously. I hope that he figures it out because coming out of college, he looked like he was going to be a stud. Yeah. And, I mean, he had great glimpses of it in summer league. And, you know, last year towards the end of the season, he was one of the – he was the youngest player ever in NBA history to record a triple-double. And that was with a bum shoulder. So – the sky's the limit for the kid if he can get right. Exactly. So, with that being said, uh, good talk on Fultz, good talk on Pistons Sixers, good talk on NBA News. Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? No, I just want to say thank you again for having me, Tom. I you bet. look forward to maybe calling back in later down the road to uh, the Sixers win that we're going to have on you guys. <laughs> Yeah, as far as the game, it's it's in Philly. I think the Sixers will win that game, probably probably by two or three possessions. But you never know. It's an eighty-two game season; it, anything can happen. Absolutely right. Hey, Tom, listen. Thanks again sure. for having me on, man. It was my pleasure. Sure, and of course, well, go ahead and plug in your um, Twitter and all and all that. Tell tell us. Um, oh yeah, that. you can find me on Twitter at Philly's Finest Sports News. Um, if you're a Philadelphia fan of the Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, we got a little bit of everything for you. Stats, history, game breakdowns, articles, the whole nine. So if you love Philadelphia sports, we're definitely one of the pages you want to follow. Definitely. And then Philly's finest sports news like the Philly Fanatics, spelled that way. <laughs> yep, it's P-H-I-L-A-S. And there we go. Uh, and then the P-H-I for the finest as well. Alrighty, so he is Ryan Drinkwater. He is part of Philly's Finest Sports News, and this has been the Tom Green Podcast.